0: The epistle for this fifth Sunday after Easter is taken from the epistle of St. James. Beloved, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and presently he forgets what kind of man he is. But he who has looked carefully into the perfect law of liberty and has remained in it not becoming a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, shall be blessed in his deed. And if anyone thinks himself to be religious, not restraining his tongue, but deceiving his own heart, that man's religion is vain. Religion pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to give aid to orphans and widows in their tribulations, and to keep oneself unspotted from this world. Please stand for the gospel. The Gospel is taken from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Saint John. At that time Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, Amen, I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in parables. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in parables, but will speak to you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, Behold, now thou speakest plainly, and utterest no parable. Now we know that thou knowest all things, and dost not need that anyone should question thee. For this reason, we believe that thou camest forth from God. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, now we have come to this beautiful day where we honor our most blessed mother. We sing hymns to her. We create a shine for her. We have all the children bring flowers and present them at her shrine. We crown her head with a crown of flowers. Perhaps you're doing similar things for for your mothers on this Mother's Day. But for Our Lady, she is in a special category. We dedicate this entire month of May to her because we love her. We love to honor her. Why do we love her? Why do we pay so much attention to her? Well, firstly, we love her because she is so lovable. She is so wonderful. She is so admirable by the will of God, God who creates all things and gets to choose where he puts each piece of his creation. He wanted to elevate this woman to be the greatest of all his creatures, the greatest creature of the entire creation she is not just the greatest woman. She is the greatest creature. In other words, even above all the angels, the pure spirits, we know that Our Lady is perfectly innocent without any stain of sin in her soul. She is pure. Nothing ever defiled her body. When we reflect upon our own sinfulness, our own tendency to disorders, our, our tendency towards selfishness, if, if we just, I don't know, pause and and um, look for five minutes on the movements of our own soul. It's surely astonishing to, to even think about the possibility of a single soul not having any disordered movement, but always and ever turns towards the good. This is the soul of, of Our Lady, and it's, it's completely unique in all of creation and the whole human race. Even the, the Protestant poet, William Wordsworth spoke of this when when he referred to our lady as being tainted nature's soul boast. our tainted natures are the only thing that we can boast about the the, the one we can boast about because she alone is perfectly untainted perfectly pure. This is why our lady stands in a category all by herself if you in the, in the in the realm of of nobility, of of dignity, of beauty among human beings, if you had a beauty contest, you know, and you had all these uh, beautiful young ladies there, and, and just imagine if there, if there was just there was one woman where everybody was were were struck so struck, and just she was so beautiful, so surpassingly sublime that that everybody agreed that she was in another category that she would not just be declared miss america or whatever she she would have to be declared the most beautiful woman in in the world maybe we have something a very very small picture of what privileges god has given to our lady to be this one immaculate creature it's striking that The angel Gabriel himself was so taken by Our Lady with admiration, we would expect that if you're an angelic creature, if you're a pure spirit, you know, the pure spirits, the angels, they are above us in their nature because um, they do not have a body. They are higher intellects. They have higher capacities than humans. So we are below them in the hierarchy of creation And yet, when when the angel Gabriel comes to Our Lady, he speaks praise of her, he admires her, he he addresses her with this strange and and wonderful greeting, hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I think this is is the sentiment that we have with regards to Our Lady. When, When we as Catholics, when we contemplate what God has done in her, we are struck with awe how admirable is this virgin. How wonderful is this mother. So we are moved to love her. We cannot help. We cannot but help. When when you are in, the, in, the, in front of something that is that is noble, that is beautiful, that is wonderful, you cannot but help to be moved with love. Whenever we love Our Lady, the more we wonder over her, the more we are attracted to her. It acts as like an antidote in, in us to all our Unruly movements it it helps us to hate what is evil to hate what is sin. you cannot approach her without not wanting to mix yourself with what is ugly with what is ignoble with what is below her this is this is why we love to to talk about her this is why we we love to bring the children to her and, and present them to her and say this this is this is our model this is this is the one that, that we want to honor and we want to imitate. Besides the, the fact of, of just her inherent beauty, the, the beauty of, of Our Lady, there is something else that's very important in the soul of Our Lady, in the behavior of Our Lady, that endears us to her, that really attracts us to her. And this is her humility the virtue of humility that she practiced. Something very off-putting with people who are prideful. And humility is, let me see, so rare today in, in the sense that we've we become a very exhibitionist society with the, with the means of technology everybody has in their hand. The, the capacity to produce entertainment, produce content, centered around them, themselves, and, and, and everybody's t- tempted to, to vie for the attention of everybody to, to put themselves online and, and seek for likes. Um, the, this very, this is, we've created this very hollow and, and shallow form of, of appreciation today and presented that to the youth as, as a kind of way to, to find love or, or satisfaction, happiness, in this life. When we become tired of it, we become tired of, of everybody in this race to attract people to themselves. Fortunately, today politics is very much like that. Politics becomes just an attempt on, on, on the part of, of people to, to sell themselves, uh, to, to uh, basically met, be a master in, in the art of boasting, um, a rhetoric of, of boasting and are also tearing down your your political opponent as I say we become we become weary of this we become jaded and how refreshing for us is the example of Our Lady who St. Louis de Montfort says that the, the thing that she wanted most in her life was to be hidden and unknown and she prayed for this and that it was it was the decision of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, that, that her wish would be granted. And this is, this is what we see played out. It's this extraordinary thing to where she, she knows that she has been privileged by God, not through any merits of her own, as she herself admits, to, to be the greatest creature. And yet she passes her whole life with people not knowing that. She gives birth to the Son of God, the most important event in the history of mankind, in a cave. Nobody knows it's it's going on. She goes to Egypt and lives in a foreign land, just tending her house. She lives those decades in Nazareth, just like a remote and unknown town in in Israel, performing the tasks of a housewife during the public life of our Lord. She is unknown. At the foot of the cross, she is unknown. After our Lord ascends into heaven, we don't even know exactly what went on in those years until the day of our death. No one knew. No one was pounding on her door and say, "Let, Let me see. Let me talk to this woman who gave birth to the Messiah. Let me see her. She was not a celebrity in her own time. You know that the great villains of the gospel, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were, they were characterized by hypocrisy, by this game of appearances where, where they would try to put themselves forward as being something great when, in fact, they were whited sepulchers, sort of pleasing on the outside, but full of corruption on the inside. They were small men posing as great men. Our lady was like their antithesis. She was the other side of the coin. She poses as, as humble, lowly, as nothing, but in herself, she was the greatest of them all. And as I say, I mean, this, this humility of our, of our lady charms us. It endears us to her. It gives us confidence to approach her. Even if someone is great, yet at the same time, they are haughty. You don't. You admire them perhaps from a distance, but you do not want to get close. You stay away. This is not the way our lady is. And so even though she's great, even though God has placed her above all creatures, we do not hesitate to approach her. We know that she will not reject us. We know that she will not be prideful with us. We know that one of the most admirable things in Our Lady is that Her greatness did not corrupt her in any way. This is called the supreme height of humility. When you're you're actually great, and you know you're great, but your greatness does not corrupt you. It does not make you a worse person than you are. This is Our Lady. But my dear Fifa, I think that the thing we we tend to love most about Our Lady and the thing that moves us most to honor her is quite simply the love that she has for us as our mother she has that crazy mother love that, that God has given to the heart of a woman the special love that he created for those who bear children and bring them forth into this world where Their love is so sacrificial that it is not impeded by many things that would impede the love of others, especially suffering. You think about the process of bearing a child for nine months and all the morning sickness and the the nausea and and things that that a mother goes through and, and the pains of having this child in your womb that is growing. So the the day comes for giving birth, and there's those hours of painful labor. Finally comes forth the child that has caused all these pains. And what does the mother do at that point? She smothers the child with kisses. She embraces and showers with affection the thing that has caused her so much pain. This is the love of a mother. Of course, the child is, is not responsible for, is not, not willfully wanting to, to injure his mother. It's, it's just the pains of, of bearing a child. But it's different with us and our mother, our lady, because of the fact that, that we have willfully caused her pain. We willfully have sinned, sometimes very callously, and I, I think during this month of May, perhaps it's a time for us to reflect about whether, to what degree we we love Our Lady and and we seek to please her and not to harm her with our sins because of the fact that, that she was at the foot of the cross having to witness the death of her son and understanding that it was our sins that he was paying for on the cross. How blithely we can commit mortal sin. Even though we say these words so often, hail full of grace, blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And then we're attracted by the world and we slay the life of God in our soul. It is at this point, of course, that that we are able to understand that crazy mother love, that that fact that that the injuries that we have inflicted upon our Lord and Our Lady are not an obstacle to their love for us, that Our Lady has an attitude of mercy towards the murderers of her son. She seeks for us the number one thing that mothers want for their children they want their well-being and their safety she wants our safety she wants our salvation and she works for our salvation if we go to her if we're willing for her to be our mother if we if we pray to her especially her rosary and of course she's she's able to to do this to accomplish this love because of the beauty of her soul she's able to accomplish this love with a purer love even than our own mothers. God has given to women this special capacity of love for their children. And yet it's sometimes difficult for mothers to, to love their children in a balanced way, to not allow their, their, their emotional love for their children to go into some sort of excess or some sort of selfishness. In their love mothers can um, because they see their children rightly as a, as a certain extension of, of themselves a certain representation of themselves the fruit of of their own life they they can come to love their children more for for what glory their children give them um, than the, the actual good of their children and this can lead them to to sort of uh, excuse the faults of their children and say, you know, my, um, my child did not do that, or or my child is 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 a perfectly good child. Um, I, I don't see any faults there, or to elevate their their child to a level that's not accurate, that doesn't correspond to reality, or or just simply spoil their own children. Our Lady does not do this. She's not going to do this because she understands our true good, and she wants our true good. She's always efficaciously working for that good. It's instructive for us just to look at, at the apparitions of, of Our Lady and how she deals with these children that, that she has appeared to, how she works with them to sanctify them. Just just as I say, in this very motherly way, mothers have this genius for leading their children to the good. And so, you know, in the apparition of Fatima, you have these three children, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta. And Our Lady was, was hard on Francisco while being gentle. She appears to Francisco and the other two children, and Francisco is so attracted by, by the beauty of the Blessed Mother. But... He cannot hear her voice. The two girls hear the voice, but Francisco, he only sees her lips moving and does not, does not hear anything. And of course, he asked Lucia, why, why can't I hear? Um, Lucia asks our lady, and our, and our lady says, well, you, you cannot hear, Francisco cannot hear because of the fact that he is not praying enough. He needs to pray my rosary our Lady makes this demand, Francisco, if you want to draw closer to me, if, if you want to show your love for me, this is what you must do. It's kind of a, a picture of, of how it works with us. It's like, can we hear the voice of Our Lady directing us in this life? Well, not if we're not praying to her, not if we're not praying our daily rosary, if we're not trying to solicit her for her mother's help. She will help us course, even if we don't pray to her, but not nearly as much as if we have this loving relationship with her. There's also the story of, of St. Bernadette at, at Lourdes, uh, a, a tiny 14-year-old girl who's having these apparitions, and I don't know if St. Bernadette was tempted to human respect, um, but it's certainly dangerous to be a visionary. Uh, I don't have the experience, but I, but I know if, if if I was receiving visions of Our Lady and like thousands upon thousands of people were flocking to watch me watch Our Lady, then I would be tempted to, to glory, to vainglory, if, if that happened. And Our Lady wanted to keep Saint Bernadette safe from that vainglory. So very extraordinarily in, in the midst of one of these apparitions, she, she asks Saint Bernadette to dig in the ground. Of course, she's going to bring up this miraculous spring. People don't know that. St. Bernadette herself doesn't even know that. She dig. She has to dig in the ground and, and drink this muddy water, and she has to eat from the weeds growing on the rocks. People mock her, and make fun of St. Bernadette. It's Our Lady bringing St. Bernadette to her true good. Our Lady does not hesitate to do this, as I say, in a motherly way. One of the the greatest benefits of devotion to Our Lady is that Our Lady shows us ourselves. She shows us who we are. She teaches the truth about who we are and that helps guide us towards our proper direction. One of the most beautiful titles of of Our Lady is is Star of the Sea. You know there's like we're kind of on this raft in this life in the in the ocean and there's like ocean all around and was like wondering where do I go? Where do I go in this life? What, what direction should I take? And we solicit our lady and she's she's there to guide us. She's this bright light and we go, we, we head in that direction. We're motivated to go in that direction. So my dear faithful, let let us love our lady. She is truly great. She is so humble. She is so noble She's so dignified, she loves us so much with that crazy mother love, especially during this month of May. Um, I want to invite you to renew your devotion to Our Lady. Um, Approach her, draw closer to her, um, have that desire that, uh, of of all Catholics, where where we, we do not hesitate to, to repeat words over and over to her again as a child, hail full of grace, hail my life, my sweetness, my hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.